the Bible says that we have a better covenant. I want to start out with an old covenant and talk about a better covenant. So if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 12, there are some things in the Word of God that are very significant. Not that everything in the Word of God is not important, but there are some things that happened that are recorded in the Word of God that are very significant. And one of these things that's significant is the last plague upon Egypt, and that was the plague of the death angel uh, on the firstborn. But the plague had a save, Savior in it, a safe way of going through the plague. You know, we sang, we sing some songs. I, I just singing some of the words of the songs does something to me. Sometimes I could sing the songs and go home and have a message preached to me just from the words of the songs. Uh, I guess primarily because we sing a lot of scripture, uh, but it it is saying something so important to us. Can you really say tonight that even though a thousand should come against you, you'd not be afraid? When we run against one from one, huh? Boy, he is a shield about us. He is that. I, when we were singing that, I thought, my, my. He is a shield about us. He is a shield about us. God has provided for us a way to overcome every adversity, every hardship, every problem, every enemy. Was that, will that cover it? Every enemy against us. He has a way of providing that. Now, amen. Is Exodus chapter 12. I got thinking about this today. And uh, <clears throat> I'm singing so hard, I almost got hoarse. I was thinking about this today, about this particular thing. The Lord had to bring or was going to bring, we'll put it that way, was going to bring a plague over the land. And he had some people in the land that he did not want the, pl the plague to affect. Okay? In other words, here comes the plague, but there are some people there he doesn't want to affect. He already did this with Noah whenever he was going to have to destroy all life he made a way to save his own. He has a plan. He has a way. Now we may not always recognize it, but somewhere there is a way. What does it say over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13? No temptation, trial, no temptation or trial has taken you, but such as is common to man. It's not something special. It's common to man. But what else does it say? 
But God is what? Faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted or tested or that trial, tempted above that what? You're able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape. Now, there is a way of escape. Okay? There is a way out. There is a way of deliverance. There is a way. God has a way. God has a way. We may not have a way. We may not know how to get out of it. God has a way. Okay? God has a way. And He does not want you to go through the troubles and be consumed in them. He has made a way, a provision for you to escape. And I want to I want to read this tonight because I want to get into one particular part of this, uh, and um, and share that with you. So if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter twelve, and let's begin reading in verse one. <clears throat> Exodus chapter twelve and verse one. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take to to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too, too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to the eating shall make your count for the lamb. In other words, Shirley and I would probably couldn't consume one lamb, and we would go to our neighbor, and who, uh, the, between the two of us, one lamb would be sufficient. Now, this is important. This part of it is important. Uh, sometimes we read some, through some things, and we don't understand it, and we know it. So we we don't understand it. Nobody says anything about it, so we just jump over it and go on about our business, forgetting about it. The point I want to bring out tonight is not so much the blood, but the eating of the lamb. Okay? The eating of the lamb. You shall... Verse uh, 5. You sh- your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats... You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the seventh month, uh, same month, excuse me, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. Now see, the emphasis we, we put the emphasis on the blood, and the blood's important, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we keep running across this thing about eating the lamb. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, 
roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor boiled at all with water but roast with fire its head with its legs and with the inward parts thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, haven't you, in, in hearing this taught or preached upon, all of the emphasis is upon the blood of the Lamb? In other words, to take a lamb, a, a lamb of the first year, without spot and blemish, saving for these four days, everybody about the same time was to kill the lamb, take the blood, put it over the doorpost, put it on the top and on the sides, and uh, put it over the doorpost. Everyone was to get in, and the death angel was to pass over, and if they saw the blood, he'd pass over. Now, that's all Scripture, and that's all good. And that's all important. But in, in teaching this thing, we put all the emphasis upon the blood. And there's a lot of emphasis here, not just on the blood, but the lamb itself. What do you do with the lamb? You kill it, put the blood on the doorpost, and throw him out in the yard someplace? What do you do with the lamb? Why is this so important? He says to eat the lamb, and not only to eat it, but eat all of it. And if anything's left over, make sure it's burned with fire, that there's nothing left to be consumed. It's all to be consumed, either by you or with fire, but it's all to be consumed. That's why the emphasis is on that if you had a little family, and you couldn't eat a whole lamb, and you had a family next door, and between the two of you, you could take a lamb and one lamb would satisfy both of you for you to get together, all of you to get in one house and eat it together. Okay. Now, notice that how it was cooked also. It said that it wasn't to be eaten raw, nor was it to be boiled, but roast by fire. Fire in the word has a number of meanings. One of the meanings is judgment and purging. One of the meanings of fire in the word is to, a judgment or a purging. And uh, what Jesus went through, being the Lamb of God, what he went through was a purging. He went there and suffered for you and I. He not only shed the blood... But he also, the scripture says, that he not only shed the blood, but his body was beaten for us. There was two things happening with Jesus. Not only was he crucified and blood was shed, but he was also beaten with many stripes. The scripture says over in Isaiah 53 that by, that, that by his stripes we are healed. It's talked about the stripes of Jesus. He bore, he bore upon himself... Uh, and so it's talking about not just the 
blood, but the body. There's two things going on right here. Not just the blood, but kill the lamb, but take the body and do something with the body. Okay? Now, is this so unusual? Uh, why, why would he want to eat the body? Why would he want an important... What, what was the importance about eating this lamb? I don't know. It might have been a mystery to them for a long time. They've always done it. Ever since Jesus... I mean, ever since God told them to do it. But a lot of things that they did in the Old Testament times, they did not understand. They did it because they always did it. You know, we do a lot of things like that. becomes tradition. Forefathers did it. God says to do it, so we do it. Well, Daddy, why we do it? I don't know. We've always done it this way. Shut up and just do it and, you know, keep the tradition and keep on going. And you just do something over and over and over again. Folks, even today, they're having the Passover not knowing what the Passover means. The only thing that they know about the Passover today that it has a a remembrance of this event. And beyond that, they see nothing in it. The people that are taking the Passover every year only relate it to this event in Egypt and their deliverance, a remembrance. They do not know the significance of it. Now, you and I know the significance of it simply because Jesus has come Jesus has explained it and the Word of God has explained it to you and I. Or we'd not know it. And we're not smarter than anybody else. It's just the fact that God's revealed it to us. The fulfillment has come and He's revealed it to us. Okay? You caught up a little bit. That night, they sat in their houses, the blood on the doorposts, eating the lamb. Now, the eating of the lamb, it says they should eat in haste. I have one son who used to be the first one to the table, the last one to leave. Now, he ate a lot. But, he eats, he eats still today, slow. When we go out to eat with him, we wait. We get through, and we have our conversation waiting for him to get through. A slow eater. Really, they say slow eating is the best way. I don't know. I, I must. It must be the Jew in me. I've been a fast eater. I mean, I, I, I can be through and in the line again while you're still eating. Easy, okay? Fast eater. But what he was saying that night was to eat in haste, like you're in a hurry, like you must eat because you're going someplace. And he told them to eat it in haste, eat it quickly. Not only were they to eat it quickly, but they were to eat it dressed ready to go because they were going to be ready to go. You know what God was providing for them this night? He was providing for them in, uh, energy. He was uh, providing them food 
for a journey they were getting ready to go on. He was getting them ready for a journey. Fed them well, dressed them up. They went out and borrowed all the gold and silver and everything off of the Egyptians. And they came out not only dressed, dressed up, ready to go, well fed, but they also came out rich. They came out of Egypt rich. In other words, every provision they needed was given to them before they left Egypt as they were getting ready to leave Egypt. But they were to eat the lamb. Is that important still? I want us to go to a, a, a chapter in the Bible that, uh, that the disciples said was a hard saying. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus, in the first part of the chapter, feeds 5,000. After he fed them, he had his disciples get in a boat, go across, and he went and joined them on the way. He walked part of the way. And the following day, verse 22, when the people who stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one with... Well, let me skip on down. Um, Well, it's not very clear, but I may just tell you. The people that were fed found out where Jesus was and they followed him over there. Okay? Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. In other words... You came over here wanting some more. And they were wanting some more physical food. They followed him over there because he had... Folks, he performed a miracle. Now, if, if I could perform a miracle for you at your house and fill your cupboards with a miracle... Would you like for me to come regularly and visit? Huh? Would you like for me to come every week or every month or something like that? In other words, whenever you have need, fill your cupboards again by a miracle? Well, sure. And really, this is what the people saw that he was able to feed them miraculously. And surely they want to follow him. And it seemed like that every time that people followed him, that he checked out their motives. Okay? He dealt with their motives. Why are you coming to me? 
You say you want to follow me? Let me, let me check out your motives and let me tell you how it's going to be. And he checked out their motives. And when their motives was wrong, they didn't come. He started preaching to them. Now, I'm not going to read this chapter <clears throat> to you. I'm going to read part of it, a little piece of it. But he began to talk about the bread from heaven. He talked a little bit about the manna, but he talked about the bread from heaven. And um, he said, verse 51, well, let me back up a little bit. Verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that comes down from heaven that a man may eat of it and not die. Sounds like the living water, isn't it? I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh, drinks my blood, dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead, but the but he that eats of this bread shall live forever. These things says he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Verse 66 says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They could not receive what he said. They could not comprehend it. They could not receive it. They could not accept it. Now, folks, we have no problem again today with the blood. We talk about the blood of Jesus. We talk about His shed blood. We talk about His blood being applied to us. We talk about being being washed in the blood. We talk about the blood. We don't talk much about the body. I hear very little about the body of Jesus, just the blood. I realize that the scripture said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. In other words, it was necessary for my sin. Absolutely necessary for the shedding of blood, for the remission of my sin. And I know that that's important, but that's not all there is to it. And Jesus was making a very strong distinction. He's not talking... He's mentioned the body and the blood. He's not talking about just the blood, but he says you must eat this body and drink this blood. In other words, what is eating anyway? 
You know, if you look in the dictionary, eating is not just necessarily taking something in in your mouth. In other words, eating it like we're thinking about it. Anything that consumes something else eats it. I mean, acid can eat a hole in your shirt. You just put a drop of acid on there, if it's the right kind of acid, it'll put a hole in it. And we call it eating it. Okay? That's what it looks like. It is consuming it. It is taking it and consuming it in some way. What I eat, what, what happens with what I eat? What I eat becomes part of me. I am, really, I am what I eat. Right? You've heard that saying all your life. I am what I eat. And the same is true. If I partake of and receive of the life of Jesus, I become what the life of Jesus is all about. Okay? Now what he was doing that night on on the night of the Passover, they were consuming the lamb that was saving them. They were not just putting the blood on, but they were consuming it. And it was now going to be a part of them. You know, literally, they took the lamb out with them. I mean, it had become the cells of their body, and they literally, the lamb that was slain, they would took it with them, in, in a sense, if you understand and receive that. In other words, it became part of them. Now, let's go to Psalms. 105. Psalms 105. Psalms 105, he begins to talk about the plagues in Egypt. Verse 30. There, it says, Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of the kings. He spoke, and there came various sorts of flies and lice in all their borders. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. And on and on down. Verse 36. It says he smote also all the firstborn in their land and the chief of all their strength. That was the last plague that was written in there. It says he smote also all the firstborn in their land and the chief of all their strength. And he brought them forth, talking about the children of Israel, he brought them forth also with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Hallelujah. When I read this, and I've read this a lot of times, every time I read it, it is hard to comprehend. We have, I don't know how many people we have um, among us. I don't mean here tonight. I'm talking about in our church fellowship fellowship. church row, you know, 200 or so, something like that, I don't remember. Um, But, could you conceive, can you think of any time in 200 people that there's not one feeble folk among us? Now, do you have any idea how many people they had 
leaving Egypt that day? There are estimates of about two and a half to three million. And there was not one feeble person among them. I just think about that. Not one sick person. All of them came out healthy and strong and uh, rich. But they came out with the strength and the life that was put in them. In other words, I believe that that the significance that was being made there was that whenever they partook of the lamb, ate of the lamb, they received strength, health. They received for their physical body what the blood did not do. The blood did not do that. They didn't consume the blood. The blood protected them from the death angel. It was the vehicle which God used to get them out of Egypt and released from Egypt. But they came out strong. They came out healthy. Okay? Jesus also um, partook of the Passover every year. And the last time that he partook of the Passover with his disciples, he began to do something different that day. It said after they had eaten, he took the cup and he said that this is my blood. He called it the blood of the what? New what? Covenant. In other words, this is the blood of a better covenant than what you just got through drinking. Now, the first covenant was good. I mean, the first covenant did a lot. But he said, this is the blood of a better covenant. When he called it a new covenant, it was a new, it was a better. The scripture over in Hebrews, it says, is a better covenant with better promises. Now, do you think that God, giving us a better covenant would give us less than the first covenant? If the first covenant provided some things and was good, do you think the second covenant would provide us at least the same thing or better than that when he calls it a better covenant? Now, the blood of the old covenant, well, at the Passover, at that part of it, 
That blood delivered them from the death angel and every person died. Eventually. Many of them died in the wilderness. But every one of them died. Moses died. Joshua died. All of them died eventually. It got them out from under the bondage of Egypt. The blood that was shed over the years was to deal with sin, but it was not enough. Hebrews tells us it was not enough. But he said, this cup is a better cup. This cup represents my blood, which is a better blood. Basically what he's saying. But you notice that that last night, that he didn't stop with the cup. The cup was not all that he talked about. He talked about also the bread. Now here again we've got something to eat. Something to drink. Something to eat. Again we've got something to eat. And we know from the Word, and if you've been around church long enough from teaching from the Word that the Lord's Supper, whenever He instituted the Lord's Supper, it was a fulfillment of the other, the Passover, okay? It was a fulfillment of it. It was that night, it was that night, that day, when He was arrested and became the Lamb that all this was about. He finally became the Lamb that all this other was pointing to. He became the Lamb. And he not only shed his blood, but he gave his body. Okay? Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There, there are some things in the Word, but first of all, we, we, have, a, we have a problem, folks. Uh, each one of us has this problem that we, we believe something that we've been taught and we don't know why, really why we believe it, even though we have some scriptures to back some of these things up. Uh, we've been taught those things, and we adhere to them and cling to them and hold to them. Uh, and usually when we get satisfied with it, we never venture any farther to find out if there's anything else because we think, well, we finally found it. There is more. Do you know there's... There is more. Sure, and I was talking about this last night. That we get to the idea that, well, we're we're saved, baptized. We're just we got all you know filled with the Spirit and all these other things, and 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 we've heard all this good stuff, and we we just heard it all and we know it all. There's some things in here that we haven't even touched yet. I think the church, there's some things that the church has never touched yet. I believe that, that we're coming into a time when this movement of God is going to come in. See, you, well, for instance, folks, if you go back not too many years ago, what you're hearing today wasn't even taught 20 years ago. It wasn't even taught 
20 years ago. Because it was not revealed. Was it new? It was always there. It just was not revealed. And now it's revealed and it becomes, oh yeah, we know all about that. There's some things in here that we've never even seen yet. That when God reveals them to us, it's going to be as great a revelation as the charismatic movement as an example. It's going to be a greater revelation. You're going to see some things that you didn't even imagine was even there. We get caught up though and satisfied with what we've heard in our teaching and we, we don't venture out any further. And when we hear something new, we're always throwing, I'm, I'm bad about this because I, well, I, I want every jot and tittle to be true. I want it to be so, so true that I throw a red flag up. You throw something new at me and I'll throw a red flag up for a while and I'll examine it and I'll go home and I'll get away and I'll look at it and make sure until God shows me because I want it from God and I throw red flags up. But there are some new things. Now, I said that really to get something that's, that's not so new. But it might be new to some of you. Look at what it says in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. For I have received, verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. What was he saying in John 6? You must eat my what? My flesh, my body. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And the same, after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. See that new covenant. That testament means covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. You notice that he keeps emphasizing the body and the blood, the body and the blood, the body and the blood. Both of them are are there. Just as we found in Exodus chapter 12, We have the body and the blood, the body and the blood. He did not separate them. They're a whole. Well, I'm thankful I got both. Without the blood, you're what? Dead. The body and the blood. He kept emphasizing the body and the blood. Verse 28. And let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, 
eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. All of a sudden, after all this put together, he separates something. What does he separate? The body. Look at it right there. He that eats and drinks, both of them together, unworthily, eats and drinks judgment to himself, both of them together, not discerning the Lord's, what? Body. In other words, he's now singling out something, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, what cause? What we just got through reading. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And he's not talking about sleeping sleep. He's talking about death sleep. And he says that they didn't discern the Lord's body. Drinking unworthily, not discerning. The word discerning means to comprehend or understand. In the scripture over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that the word of God is spiritually discerned or understood, comprehended. And to comprehend or understand, if you do not understand the body or the function of the body, you will not apply the function of the body to yourself. If you understand, all of us understand the blood. That is not the problem. We all understand the blood. How many, now I don't want to show up hands, but let me ask you kind of oh, in a roundabout way. When you heard a teaching about the Passover, what was the emphasis on? The blood. It was always on the emphasis, one emphasis only. That was the blood that was put on the doorpost, talked about the death angel passing over, and all the firstborn that was under there uh, lived, and all the firstborn that wasn't under the blood died. And the whole emphasis of the whole message, probably nine out of ten messages you've ever heard, is all being on the blood only. And it's important. But the body was also important. He talked about it in, in, when we was reading a while ago. He talked about the body more than he did the blood. There's more references, more scripture uh, on the body, eating the body than there was on the blood. The blood was just taking the blood, putting it on the doorpost. Then the emphasis was on what do you do with the body? Roast it with fire, eat it, consume it with fire when you get through, and eat it in haste and all on the body. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen?